Welcome, welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. Thank you for spending some of your day with us. We greatly appreciate it. UFC 222 preview in the house Saturday, March 3rd, 10 p.m. Eastern, live from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. A good friend of mine from back in my Vegas days, Jeremy Botter, one of the best MMA guys in the business, is going to join us from Austin, Texas in just a moment for a full and comprehensive preview. But a heads up, there's another episode of the Sharp 600 rolling out later today. Episode 82, our Oscars betting preview. I believe I've seen exactly one movie that's nominated this year. That movie is Get Out. Outside of that, I have not seen any of these movies. So we are going to bring on an expert, and we are going to put you in a position to make some money on this year's Academy Awards. Are we doing episode 81 or is not? Is it just a rough plan, guy? What difference does it make if it's episode 81 or not? Because I died. Episode 81! Love this next guy. Senior writer at Bleacher Report and CNN. Houston Chronicle combat sports beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Botter. Jeremy Botter joining us here on the Sharp 600. Botter, it's been a while. How the hell are you? I'm good, man. It's good. I miss being in Las Vegas. Haven't seen you uh, since you moved since you moved away from Vegas. We both moved, I guess. I know. How's life in Austin, Texas? It's pretty good, man. Austin's pretty awesome. Texas, not so much, but Austin's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, before we jump into Saturday night's UFC 222 card, what did you think of the news that came down Tuesday where the California State Athletic Commission upheld its decision to revoke John Jones's license for a year due to the positive test for anabolic steroids he uh, incurred following that fight with Daniel Cormier at UFC 214? I, I think it kind of went pretty much as poorly as it could have gone. I mean, uh, he or and his team, uh, did, neither of them really presented much of a defense. Uh, you know, I mean, his defense seemed to be like, I didn't do it and you should believe me. And <laughs> and then there was the weird moment where they asked him about taking the, you know, this online drug course for, for the commission. And he said that he had his management do it. But that was a little bit strange, man. And, you know, I gotta say, you know, the real danger for John Jones is not California and their commission. The real danger has always been USADA, uh, and I gotta say, man, if he goes in front of USADA with that kind of uh, that kind of defense, if they don't shore things up quite a bit, uh, he could be looking at three or four years. What did you make of the recent picture that surfaced featuring Dana White hanging out with Brock Lesnar? Do you think Lesnar's contemplating a return to the octagon? He is contemplating a return to the octagon. I actually published a story yesterday on CNN. Uh, Bleacher Report on this subject, and I spoke to people close to Brock, and um, you know, it, 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 he goes through this thing every few years when his WWE contract is up, where, uh, yeah, I mean, he look, he's a master negotiator. He, he uses each side against each other, but this is this is more than just that. Um, Brock Lesnar wants to come back, and I think he does come back this year, and, and you know, honestly, the, the real bummer for Brock Lesnar, and perhaps for all of us, is that he really wanted to fight with John Jones, and that was in the work for John Jones you know, all this mess with him happened. But but there's still plenty of fight for Lesnar to come back for. I mean, I could see him, provided Daniel Cormier beats Steve Miocic, I could see Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier. You know, those two guys are friends, but they have both said that they would fight each other. Um, I, I do think, I think we see Brock Lesnar back in the octagon this year. Before we jump into Saturday night's main card, are there any fights, fighters, or specific bets that we should be keeping an eye on during the UFC prelims? 
Yeah, I mean, well, there, there's a couple um, that I like quite a bit. This is actually a pretty good preliminary card compared to the most recent UFC preliminary cards. Um, I, you know, the retirement of Mike Powell. I don't know if you know Mike Powell, but people around Vegas know Mike Powell uh, pretty well. Longtime veteran. This is his last fight. He's going in as an underdog. He's plus 260 uh, from what I've seen. And, and, you know, look, Mike Powell is a gritty, dirty veteran, the kind of guy that you can never really overlook, and yet constantly is undervalued. And so I like him. Uh, you know, especially at that price in that fight. And then also there's a return of Brian Caraway, who you know, is probably most famously known for being Mr. Misha Tate, but they're no longer together. Uh, he's plus 125 to plus 130, depending on where you look. I like him against Cody, uh, Cody Stammett. And then one final one is the debut of Mackenzie Dern. Now she's, you know, minus 400 to minus 500, depending on the book. Um, I, I would stay away from the fight, but I would watch her fight because she is a multiple-time world champion, you know, black belt in jiu-jitsu. They call her the next Ronda Rousey, but then that may not be such a good thing. Uh, hopefully she's just the first Mackenzie Dern, but her debut is, you know, pretty highly anticipated. First fight on the main card, women's bantamweight division featuring Ketlin Vieira. She's a heavy minus 205 favorite over Kat Zingano. Does Zingano have the ability to counter Vieira's ace grappling skills? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Kat Zingano, is a, she is a dirty, gritty fighter, and she's a little bit crazy, which kind of makes her interesting. To watch the, the problem, you know, that, to watch out for her is that she's been out for, for quite some time. I think almost two years has been out of the octagon, but she's got some big, notable wins uh, in her time. You know, to, to, before she before she left the cage for you know, outside outside the cage personal problems. Um, I like I actually like Zingato in the return. I you know I mean I haven't seen enough of the air to really make a confident judgment on that fight, but I'll, I'll never bet against Kat Zingano unless it's against somebody who has just a world-class level of talent like Ronda Rousey. Throwback fight in the heavyweight division as Stefan Struve finds himself as a sizable minus-180 favorite over former champ Andre Orlovsky. Does the Pitbull have enough left in the tank for one final upset? Yeah, I mean, look, dude, these are two heavyweights with poor chins, right? I mean, it just takes one punch. It does, and, and it's whoever lands that punch. If you think that that punch is going to be Struve, then fine. If you think it's Arlovsky, then fine. It's kind of a pick em to me when it comes to fights like this. I mean, two guys, Seth Struve is, I think, 30 years old, but has been in the UFC for 10 years. I mean, he's got like almost 30 UFC fights. Uh, he is a, you know, he's nearly seven feet tall. He fights like six feet tall. He doesn't use his jab. He doesn't establish his range. Yeah, of course Arlovsky can do it. Bantamweight bout between the undefeated 9-0 Sean O'Malley, who finds himself as a very small underdog against a highly skilled technical striker in Andre Sukamthav. What are you looking for here? I like Sean O'Malley, man. He's, you know, he's a guy who came out of the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series on, on UFC Fight Pass, which sounded like a ridiculous idea at first, uh, but actually has produced some interesting contenders. and you know, Not contenders, but blue chip prospects. And, and the most interesting of them is Sean O'Malley. A little bit of a wild man, got his has got a, a nice afro going, um, hell of a personality, you know, a ton of charisma. And, you know, at that line, plus 110, you know, plus 108, whatever it is, I, I actually like Sean O'Malley. Now, a featherweight bout between second-ranked Frankie the Answer Edgar, a minus-162 favorite over the undefeated 13-0 Brian Ortega. This fight has generated a lot of interest over the last few weeks because Conor McGregor claims he asked to jump in on short notice to fight Edgar when Edgar's original opponent, Max Holloway, withdrew due to an injury. Do you think the UFC should have let Conor fight here? Well, the thing is, man, that doesn't get really a lot of play is that Conor McGregor actually asked to fight 
Frankie Edgar, yeah, he, he did ask, but he asked to fight for the 165-pound title, which doesn't exist. And Frankie <laughs> Edgar fights at 145. Like, Conor McGregor asked for them to make a 165-pound title, and, and it's just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. No, they should not have let him do it. I, I'm not entirely sure that Conor McGregor was serious, hence the asking for a 165-pound title fight. If he was serious, he would have said, look, I'll go to 145. Uh, that was never... That was never a real thing. How do you see Ortega faring on short notice against Edgar? I think that Brian Ortega is a phenomenal prospect um, and possibly a future champion. I can't wait to see him against, like, you know, Max Holloway. But there's a thing with Frankie Edgar where he just has this rep for beating back prospects. The guy the UFC has matched Frankie Edgar up with prospects over the course of the past four or five years in the hopes of you know, getting them a win over this guy to bump into the next level. And that's what's happening here with Ortega. But the problem is that Frankie just beats down those prospects. It's happened with Chad Mendez and a whole bunch of others. I think it happens here again. I just don't think it's Ortega's time. Edgar, Edgar has never been finished in his career, and I, I, I don't think it starts now. The main event for the Women's Featherweight Championship of the World, 19-1, and champion Chris Cyborg. She's a massive favorite. I'm looking at minus 1650 over Russian Yana Kunitskaya. Kunitskaya. Any chance whatsoever Cyborg doesn't dominate here? No, no chance whatsoever. I mean, I, you know, I've even seen this at minus 2,000. I mean, it, this is the most the most ridiculous thing in a career filled with ridiculous matchups. This is Kunitskaya. She was the Invicta Bantamweight champion. So her last fight was at 135. And she's coming up from Invicta for her debut fight in the UFC. And she's getting a title fight against the most dominant uh Killing machine female champion of all time, Chris Cyborg. And and no, I don't think this is anything other than a bludgeoning, which is what we're used to seeing with Chris Cyborg. There's never really been a fight where we thought, okay, this, this she might actually have a chance. I mean, with Holly Holm, some of us thought, okay, well, maybe there's a chance. But we saw what happened there. It was still a one-sided fight. Uh, I think this is going to be bad. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to end in the first round. Final question for you. Will we see Conor McGregor in the octagon again? And if so, when and possibly against who? Man, I've been saying for two years that I don't think you're going to see Conor McGregor in the octagon. Not the UFC's octagon. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to see him again. And after the Mayweather fight last summer, I feel even more confident that people, you know, Dana White has publicly called me stupid for saying that. And, I, you know, <laughs> here we are a year and a half later and, I, it's looking like I'm right, and I, I think I'm still right. I don't think he ever comes back. Um, I think if you see him in MMA again, I think you see him in his own cage promoting his own fights uh, at Croke Park in England. Outside of that, I think there's a much better chance of seeing him, uh, you know, fighting fighting Pauli Malignaghi in boxing. As much as I hate to even think about having to hear those two banter at each other for a build-up to a fight, I think there's a much better chance of seeing that fight or seeing another fight you know, in a boxing ring, but never seeing him back at the UFC. Check him out on Twitter at Jeremy Botter, senior writer at Bleacher Report and CNN, Houston Chronicle combat sports beat writer Jeremy Botter joining us here on the Sharp 600. Always a pleasure, Botter. That was awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Anytime, man. Hey, don't open that. It's an alien planet. Is there air? You don't know. Don't Blink, episode 82 is right around the corner. Our 2018 Oscars preview is going to drop later today. But for right now, shout out my man Jeremy Botter in Austin, Texas. We appreciate the insight. Shout out all you guys for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We love the support. We're appreciative of the support. Thank you for the support. But that's a wrap for episode 81 of the Sharp 600. Be well, everybody, and best of luck.